Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Uncorked with Funny Wine Girl. This is Janine Luby, a.k.a. Funny Wine Girl. If you've been listening to my podcast, and you really should be, shame on you if you're not, uh, September is all about fabulous women in their 50s. I'm doing a special series, Fabulous 50s, because I turned 50 on September 3rd, and I am not shy about celebrating birthdays. I love to embrace life and, you know, talk to me in a few years. Maybe I won't feel that way. And yes, I complain about heartburn and everything else, but I am happy to celebrate and I wanted to spend September celebrating other women in their 50s. So that's what I've been doing on my podcast. Every week, there's a different woman I'm speaking with who has a wonderful story to share. I believe they can entertain, inform and inspire and just you know, just give you something to think about, to laugh at, and to learn. So this week's episode, I am talking with a former comedian, a woman who loves to be out in nature, which I totally can resonate with her on that. And she has an important health story to share as well. So please help me welcome Pam. Hello, Pam. Hi, Hi everybody. Hi, how are you? I'm happy to be here. Excellent. Well, and I should say Pam and I, this is probably, you're probably the first guest that I'm talking to that I don't really quote unquote know in the real world. Um, I have done comedy, but not at the level I will be, you know, quick to tell you, not at the level that Pam has done uh, comedy. I've done it mostly locally in Scranton. I do comedy at wineries, um, you know, Jersey, Pennsylvania, but I've never done it super consistently, but I've met a lot of great people, I'll say a lot of great women, comedians along the way, and that's how we became friends on Facebook, and of course, now we just love to look at each other's nature posts <laughs> or hiking yes. posts, so, so that's our story, but Pam, I don't know, wherever you want to begin, um, if you don't mind, I would just love for our listeners to hear about your background and your history in comedy because it's pretty darn impressive I think well thank you um it's not but thank you um (laughs) I I um I always wanted to do comedy my my whole life I was obsessed I I watched the Carol Burnett show I watched and anything that I could that had anything to do with comedy so when I was 19 years old and I was in college and you had to kind of establish your um your major my father who is italian and and a dentist sat me down and he was like well what do you want to do and i said well to tell you the truth what i'd really like to do is be a stand-up comedian and he leaned across the table and he was like not an effing option (laughs) he didn't say the effing and i mean i was like all right i'll just get my fat butt back to back to college and, uh, but I always liked it. And uh, so I was on, I was the vice president of a board of directors for a local um, organization here in Rochester that has a breast cancer organization that has a comedy fundraiser every year. We'd have it at Jiva. And uh, so I was very, you know, vice president, uh, meeting the comedian and whatnot. And then we all went out to drink. And so I got, you know, a couple of glasses of wine in me and I said to him, do you ever work with anyone who wants to get into the industry? And um, I remember his face and I know why now. I know why. (laughs) Because a lot of people think they're funny. And uh, and he was like, (laughs) "Uh, sometimes. And I said, well, because I'm really effing funny. And he spit his drink out and he was like, excuse me, what did you say? And I repeated it. 
And so the next day he calls me and he says, I got you on a, um, it was a showcase called the Festivus for the rest of us at the comedy club here in Rochester. And I was just like, what? Um, no, I meant like when I grow up, I want to be <laughs> like, not now. And he's like, well, it's tomorrow. I'm like, not tomorrow. Like, I can't do this. Are, are you, are you okay? I was drunk. Okay. And uh, he's like, well, I got you the spot. So I went and I was the only female in the showcase. And, um, I could have given birth to every single guy there. It was like, I don't know, 15 guys and me. Um, and, uh, I got up there and lo and behold, I, people thought I was funny um, and I was just telling stories. And so when I got off the stage, the manager from the comedy club walks up to me and he's kind of like this and he's like, you know, who the hell for you? And I was <laughs> like, I'm, I'm Pam. And he's like, Pam, you're opening for Jamie Lissau next week. And I was like, open open what like i'm not qualified to open an envelope here that was my first time on scene i don't even know what open means what does it mean how long what do you and he's just walking away and he was like trial by fire see you on thursday and that's it just went from there and um i've been able to perform my first paid gig was opening for richard lewis Oh, wow. Like, where, where do you go with that? Like, everybody else sucks after that. You're just like, oh, the Impractical Jokers. <laughs> Good to see you. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it was, uh, it just, I think, I think part of my success was, I think when people look at me, they think one thing. And then when I'm up there on stage, I have the biggest peepee in the room, you know, <laughs> I am all dude. You own the room, right? <laughs> well, this is, you know, I'm not like, hey, 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 let's talk about persons and periods, you know, and, and that type of stuff. I'm kind of, Sam Kinison was, I mean, I remember the first time I heard him and just that prowling and the energy, I kind of wanted to try to do a bad impression I guess of Sam but <laughs> um definitely a nod to him but um yeah I mean nobody thought that it would kind of progress I was just some old lady getting up on stage you know that's pretty I you know what I remember being young and I I, I liked Sam Kennison a lot I just I just oh. remember one of his jokes talking about stirring iced tea with his arm or something and I just of course all the screaming oh all that <laughs> screaming it was just very entertaining yeah yeah so, so that's the energy that you really connected with and that you brought to the stage I try I mean I'm not I'm not nearly as good or as energetic as Sam but I'm definitely I think a lot of people I mean I've heard so many times that it annoyed me in fact even Norm Macdonald said this to me he's like I didn't think you'd be funny you don't look like you'd be funny <laughs> 
And I'm like, well, I don't look like I'd gut you with a knife right now, but I might do that too. So, you know, or. Isn't that the stupidest thing though, to say about people about anything really? Like, can we really tell by, oh, you don't look like you'd fill in the blank. Like, really? Yeah. I was just like, um, all right. But I think that that's where I can win them over because all of a sudden they're just like, holy crap, it's a dude, you know? And not that you have to be a dude to be funny, but I'm just more, I'm, I'm not as girly and as people initially think that I am when they meet me. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a, not a hard time, but I'm going to just to, to that point. So like you said, you don't talk about purses and periods, but with that said, I think anyone, no matter who they are, if you're being authentic, I mean, it, oh, and yeah. you're funny, you could talk about whatever the hell you want. Right. I mean, Absolutely. I don't think you have to, yeah, I just yeah. think I use that off of, um, I did a, uh, veterans, uh, show at a VFW. It was huge. And uh, with Jess Miller, and I was outside on my cell phone, and this guy came out, older guy, came out to have a cigarette. And um, he said, I almost walked out when you came up on stage, because you just didn't look like you'd be funny. He's like, but I got to tell you, you know, he's like, I thought it was going to be all about purses and, and periods. And that was just like something that he used because that was his stereotype of female comics. You know, oh, they're going to talk about their period. Oh, no, you know. And it's like, no. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard female comics talk about a lot of stuff that I mean, period wise and whatnot. That I think just, I do a whole bit about a tampon falling out of my bra while I'm wearing <laughs> a long skirt. Um, with two guys from Xerox that follow me that kills, you know, but I think they think that we're going to get icky or whatnot. Yeah, and that's yeah. the, the, the uh, phrase that I use. It's like, yeah, you don't, you can be funny talking about girl things, but not every female comedian is the same. Right. 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 And nor should they be. But no. I think, I mean, I think, I don't know, cause I'm all pro women. I think they're, I, I would believe you would agree. There's double standards because it's like men are worried. They don't want to hear about female quote unquote, female issues, which I'm sorry, that's life, but you know, right. you know they have no problem contributing to making a baby, but they don't want to hear about the rest of it too oh, bad. Yeah. Right. But right. how many, how many comedians and some of my friends who run open mics who are so sick of men getting up and just doing talking about their PP, and that's it. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. And it's PP, like, that's the best you got. Well, I think, I think, and probably people are going to hate me when I say this, but I don't care. Um, I think that, 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 that type of humor that the majority of men that I know, 13 is, you know, where they stop with it. So the, so the PP jokes, the, the poopies, the farts, you know, it's all funny to them. But I think women are much more sophisticated and complex with our with our comedy because it isn't just a bunch of pee pee and fart jokes. Um, yeah, and I think men can easily, but it's a it's a overwhelmingly male dominated field. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know? How do you think, well, and because of your style maybe, but it sounds like you had, you said you performed at Caroline's, right? So you've yep. had good success. You've worked with amazing people. Yes. Um, what, what are some things, let's say there's someone out there and I think things have changed now. Like, I don't know if you're still performing, but I think I'm based on what I'm seeing. Cause I mean, obviously I live in Scranton. I'm, I'm two hours from New York, but I'll admit I, you know, I'm not, my goal is not to be doing this a lot. So I do my own shows. I do ladies nights at, at, uh, at wineries. So I'm not there, but I think it's changing. Don't you think for, there's many, many more, uh, women comedians now getting opportunities. And I mean, at least from what I see the people I'm friends with on Facebook and Instagram, it seems like it, I don't know if it's changing enough, but what do you think? I think it is. I think it is. Um, and I think it should. You know, um, but I think that we're still, we got a long, long, long way to go. You know, I, I don't know of, you know, if Amy Schumer pulled what C.K. Lewis did, I'm not so sure there would be legions of male comics backing her up on her comeback, you know and embracing her and oh you know she made a mistake and whatnot i don't think that that would happen at all yeah i think they'd crucify her you know yeah. and so i still i think but i think that women are becoming more i'm hoping more comfortable in their own skin and 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 following that gut to get up there because i mean we all know I mean, the number one fear for human beings is public speaking and yep. comedies like public speaking on crack methamphetamines. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's you got to get up in a room full of people and get them to like you in 10 minutes. I mean, that's a lot of pressure. But yeah, but when when you have that gut and you want to do it, there's nothing really like it. Yeah, it's definitely a high. And again, like I said, I haven't done major rooms or anything, but I know myself, I'm tired the next day, especially if I had a good show, because it's just such a high and it doesn't, I don't know about you, but it doesn't last for me. It's really exciting. But then I almost feel let down the next day because it was like such a rush. And I'm like, you know, I feel good about myself for like a whole couple of hours. And then I'm back to my usual insecurities, but right. it, it would be nice to bottle it, you know, that great feeling and keep it. Yeah. I don't know who she is when she gets on stage because I, I don't we've never really met. We don't hang out. She's a lot more confident than I am because before I go on stage, I mean the negative recordings just start crescendoing to almost a jet engine level, you know, and I'm I, I wanna I wanna poop myself and barf <laughs> at the same time. I'm so scared. But then once I pull that microphone out of the stand, it's like this other you know, it's like, no, I'm here and I'm good. And then I get off the stage and then people will be like, oh, you did so good. And everything I did wrong is, you know, if there's 99 people in the room that love me and one person that hates me, that's so, and I clam like, oh my God, I'm awful. I suck. Yeah. I think that's a, a female thing. I mean, again, I don't want to make it like this totally anti-men, although lately I've been really kind of hating on men, but I just, you just see so much confidence in them. It's like, you know, like, Oh, I could do that. And you know, they think they can do whatever and whether they know information about it or not, where it's like women half the time. And I do this myself, like, well, I've only been doing this for 20 years. I think I can help you. You know, we just don't, 
do things with the same level of confidence, unfortunately. And, you know, but, but it, I think it is changing. Like I said, as more women are getting, are, you know, getting out there, they're taking the risk because once they do it and, you know, I think that's great. Do you have like a favorite uh, show or favorite moment or, or favorite anything of the time that you've been spending doing comedy? Wow. Um, I'd have to say uh, when Anna Phillips and I were doing Chicks Are Funny at the Syracuse Funny Bone, um, Anna headlined the our one-year anniversary and then I headlined the two-year anniversary. And it sold out and they put chairs on the sides going down to accommodate uh, like 90 sub-eyed people from Rochester all drove, you know, to, to Syracuse. And, um, and I was, you know, in that like negative, you know, oh God, you know, all these people, I'm awful. Nobody's going to like me. I'm going to fall. I look fat. I don't want to do this, you know? Um, and, uh, and I was walking by a table of women and I heard them say, oh, this is, the, the, you know, chicks are funny. And they, and then one of them goes, oh, that's the host. She's the best one, you know? And I just turned and looked and they're like, we love you. We come see you every month. And it just, it made like, I, I wish I could find who they are and just, you know, sit them each down and be like, you don't even know just that just that was, you know, I was just like, all right, I can do these six people like me. So even <laughs> if everybody else thinks like, uh, you know, these six people like me and I can do it. So yeah, that, that really like gut punched me. And yeah, I used it lots of times when I'd be scared to go on stage. I think of that moment and be like, you can do this, get up there, you know, but <laughs> Do you, are you still performing? I know COVID changed it for a lot of people yeah. with all the Zoom and stuff, but are you getting back into it or what, where are you at with it? I am happily done with it. I, I loved it, but you know, um, it was a lot of travel. I mean, you know, I work full-time, my husband works full-time. You gotta, you know, we're driving, I'm hosting every month in Syracuse. And then hosting every other month because Anna and I traded off in New Hartford or in Hartford. And, um, you know, that's a middle of the week. You got to drive all the way there. You got to do the show. Like you said, you're exhausted the next day. Drive all the way back. Go to work the next day. It's it was just like and I think that once that that, you know, that, that feeling of like, when I started, I would have driven 500 miles for 50 bucks for a free show. I've performed at the bowling alley by a bowl return. You know, I, I loved doing that, but when it starts being like, I, I just don't want to do the track. I don't want to go, you know? And it's just like, but, but, uh, I had, I will do it. I've done it for fundraisers. I, uh, did a show for Jess Miller um when she had her comedy club um so I'll do it for like friends and whatnot and 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 to raise money if somebody wants me to yeah yeah well that's so you you could still feed that part of you you know every now and again just not the work part of it I could totally understand that gets really tiring to the travel and everything especially when you have a day job yeah so that's a lot so 
let's let's pivot a little bit because before and again like I said I didn't really know you but you shared something interesting you had a kind of a scary situation a health situation and I, I think it's always good no matter you know what the illness is or the ailment whatever and you've come through it people can always learn. I think that's always good for them to hear about your situation because it could affect them. It could affect someone in their family. And now, I mean, you're healthy, you're hiking and you're doing, you're living a great life, enjoying nature. So I'd love for you to share the story that you were telling me before a little bit about your health and what happened there. Sure. I, um, I had, uh, the flu and then shortly thereafter I had these intense abdominal pains and I was just like, you know, so I look up on WebMD and it said that, you know, abdominal pains after the flu are very common. So I just thought, okay, it's fine. And then it kept getting worse and worse and more and more. And, um, and it, it got to the point where I would have to stop in a meeting at work and just be like, hang on, hang on. It just, but like most women, I'm like, I'll tough through it. It'll be fine. And uh, I did that for like two weeks and it just got to the point where it was excruciating. Um, and uh, I went to urgent care and they get, they did an x-ray of my abdomen and they told me I was uh, constipated. So I was like, all right, now I know what's wrong. They give me this cit metacitrate or something, a drink, um, but it doesn't help. It's getting worse. And uh, my, and I know this sounds crazy, but like by Sunday night, I, I'm definitely not uh, a pill taker. I don't like pharmaceutical drugs. They make me nauseous. I just don't like them. But by Sunday, um, I had started taking some leftover painkillers that my husband had, you know, just, just a little bit to kind of ease the pain. And it was like a woodpecker in my head, my grandma who's passed, but it was just, you know, Monday morning, eight o'clock, Monday morning, eight o'clock, go to the doctor's Monday morning, Monday, you got to get up tomorrow morning and you got to go. And, um, so I got up Monday morning and I went and it was a different, uh, urgent care. And then they sent me to get a, um, a scan of my abdomen. And I went and I, Larry and I were sitting in the waiting room and it was like every door in the place just opened up and everyone came running in and they're like, you need to go to the hospital right now. Which, which hospital do you want to go to? You need to go now. And I was just like, well, I got to go home. I got to get PJs. I don't know what I, you know, <laughs> and they're like, the guy's like, I'm not kidding you. I will call an ambulance if you can't commit to me that you're going. And, um. I thought, all right, you know, and I went and what had happened was my colon had perforated. And so I was in severe sepsis. Uh, I was not doing well at all. My husband said I looked gray. And at one point they even took him outside the room and told him, you know, probably not going to make it. You know, it, this is not good. And uh, he was like, you don't know my wife. <laughs> She'll throw punch Jesus if she has to. <laughs> if, she, if, she's not, if she's not good to go, she's not going. Um, and uh, so I had emergency surgery. And then I was in, you know, and you know how hospitals are nowadays. They'll, they'll like drop kick you out. 
Well, this shows you how sick I was. I was in surgical ICU for a week. Wow. Um, I had uh, I had been cut from stem to sternum. I had a drain. I had an IV. I had all these sticky things on me with this black box with wires, which is you know to monitor my heart. I had a uh, I had a bag, so I had a colostomy bag that um, was temporary, but still, I mean, I was 49 years old, and I didn't expect any of this to happen. Um, and so I uh, I had the bag for six months, and then they did a reattach, so. They let the colon heal um, and then, uh, you know, reattached everything and I got rid of the bag. But it, nothing in my life ever has changed who I am, what I am, in more in my entire life. I mean, it, it, I'm like a completely different human being. I don't even know who I am. Completely different. And I was never out in the woods, girl. But I, uh, so after I had the uh, reattach, I was in the hospital for a week. And um, all they let me eat were ice chips. I mean, I mean, ice chips for a week when, um, I mean, like Wendy's commercials were starting to become sexually arousing at that point. I was so hungry. <laughs> Like, oh my god, oh man, about Gordon Ramsay. Um, I love him, (laughs) yeah. And uh, it it just, I I remember saying to myself, I am never, never not, I am going to be outside every single day, unless it's like an ice storm or thunder and lightning. I'm out there, I'm out there in the rain, I'm out there in the snow. And uh, that was when I was 49. I'll be 54 in uh, at the end of September. So this change was it's it's inside. It's not going. It's not like a temporary change. And somebody we're coming up on five years in February and I'm out there every day. Wow. Did you have any um, or did they ever explain is this something you could have prevented or did you have any clue anything was going on with your health? I had no idea. I had uh, di- diverticulitis, osteitis, whatever. I had the non-inflamed, and then I had the inflamed one, which caused this whole problem. But I never, like, I get up in the morning and, and I have a poopy, you know? I don't, I don't think about it. It's just, I never thought about my poopy. It just happened. So, and I never had any you know, moments where I thought, oh God, you know, I don't feel good. Nothing. But I am telling you right now, you get a pain anywhere, go, 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 go. Because um, I think that had I gone sooner and it had been addressed, I wouldn't have had to go through what I went through. And, And I was fortunate that I got the chance to go through what I went through, you know? Yeah. Uh, let me ask you, I don't know if you did shows after that. Did you ever do any jokes uh, tied to your health? Cause that's a pretty damn big deal. What you went through. It is. I, I thought like, I mean, because this is, you know, 
your podcast, I, I, I'll tell you one story that I thought was hysterical, but I decided not to do it on stage. And that was when I, um, I was getting better, you know, I had a visiting nurse, you know, cause once you are at that level of sepsis, um, many times, even if you survive the surgery, um, your, your organs shut down your heart, your kidneys and whatnot. So that's why I had this heart monitor. I had, you know, so much stuff. And, um, so I had this visiting nurse and she was phenomenal. And she said to me, so, you know, you can go back to kind of regular activity. And I said, well, what does that mean? Like what? And she said, well, like, you know, sex, you can have sex again. And I was like, who's having sex? And she's like, well, you can have sex. And I'm like, I have a bag of poop hanging off the side of my body. Like, who's having sex? And she's like, well, I can give you a pretty sash to cover it. I'm like, but he knows the bag of poops there. I know the bag of poops there. I'm going through the Kama Sutra right now, and there isn't one part of my body that doesn't, you know, one position that doesn't involve the side of my body. Like, I don't care if he gets calluses from you know, doing whatever he needs to do. <laughs> Nobody's having anything. And she was like, <laughs> and I, and, and she's like, you need to do that. But then I was like, I'm, I know it took me 30 days, a whole month before I would leave my house because I was embarrassed and scared. And can you smell it? Can you smell it? Can you smell it? You know? Um, and I didn't want anyone that was in the audience that either had one or has one. You know, I don't need to go there and make them feel like poopy. Um, but it was a funny story because I was just like, what are you talking about? Um, <laughs> but the one story that I do tell is um, one thing about having the bag is, you know, when you pass gas, there's no, there's no scrunching it in. There's no holding it. There's no warning. You're just talking to somebody and all of a sudden it's like, you know, and you're like, <laughs> um, that had to be you. Cause that couldn't have been me. You know? Um, so, uh, I was, and I was absolute, I can't smell. So I was like obsessive about, can you smell it? Can you smell it? Can you smell it? Can you smell it? You know? And my nurse would say to me, Pam, they can't, unless it's leaking or, you know, it's detached, they can't smell, just relax. And so um, I was sitting there and I had my dog and her head was on my upper left thigh and the bag was on my left side and it was a brand new bag, um, nothing in it. But I was farting like Jesus was writing me checks to do it. I mean, it was just like <laughs> nonstop. And I looked. And of course, I didn't think about this, but like the bag is filling up. Like I'm about to float around this room like some Macy's Day Thanksgiving balloon, you know, because this bag <laughs> is starting to fill up with just gas. And, um, and it was just gas. It was perfectly clean. So I think I'm like, well, I'll just, you know, open the bag and let out the gas. Well, I let out the gas. The dog didn't even use her legs. She just flung her body off the couch and is doing some sort of full body canine dry heat, you know, where she's just like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and I am dying. And I thought, well, and then she gets up on the far part of the couch and looks at me like, you nasty 
nasty. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, that is so funny. And when I told my husband, he's like, our dog licks her own butt and you managed to grow <laughs> But yeah, so that one I don't mind telling because. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think, um, and I don't know, like, you know, based on what you've done in the past, but it, it really does seem that it, it's best to to use what we have in our own lives, right? Oh, to, yeah. to write our own jokes a lot of times. And it can be therapeutic. And, you know, sometimes, okay, maybe you might uh, gross out somebody or offend somebody with certain things, but other people might relate and connect. I mean, for, like I said, again, I not that I'm trying to belittle what I have done, but like I said, I haven't done that much comedy, but people who know I do it, it, it drives me crazy that they'll be like, oh, I have a joke for you or, oh, I have a story for you. And it's uh -huh. like, I know they mean well, but it's like, why would I want to tell your story when, I mean, honestly, everybody has something going on. You know, right. I do a joke about mammograms and how they'd be made better with wine. And, uh, you know, exactly. I'm a standardized patient at the medical college and I get pelvic exams from students and I talk about having a gang pap. I mean, <laughs> that's my stuff. Why? And I've actually had a guy, yes, a guy, nice enough guy, but he actually wrote his situation that he went through at the supermarket and sent it to me in a monologue kind of format and told me I could use it. He even had pauses written in there yeah. for me where I could take a pause. And again, nice man, but I'm like, yeah, no, this, and I even wrote back to him. I said, if you ever find an open mic and that would be great, you should try it. But I don't need your story, you know, right. but we have so much in our own lives to use. I mean, when I did improv, we read the book Truth and Comedy. And let's face it, there's comedy in, in on our lives everywhere. It's from the pain usually, but that's where we yeah. heal and where we're being real and honest with each other and the audience, I think. Absolutely. I would, I, I, you know, people would say to me, you know, well, what's comedy like? And I, and I said, you know, we're, we're just this damaged group of people and I don't mean damaged in a bad way like insecurity some are damaged some not but there's all there, there's something there's something not wrong with you but there's something not normal to the masses if you want to get up in in a room full of people you don't know try to get them like that not like you like but think you're funny in 10 minutes you know or the when you're starting out you got seven and a half minutes what the seven and a half minutes like if i go over like 7 32 what happens you know and <laughs> and you gotta get up there and and do it and that's terrifying but um but i think it is very healing and yeah. i think that um when you can and I think all anyone who does comedy probably has already done comedy in the sense of let me make fun of what's wrong with me before you can. You know, it's like a defense mechanism. Yeah. Like, okay, yep. so you're gonna make fun of my retainer. Guess what? I'm gonna do it first, you know, and then your joke's lame, you know. Yeah. And that's uh, Judy Carter. I don't know if you've read uh, her comedy Bible and I took one of her workshops in New York and that's kind of like, you know, I mean, I'm sure she's not the only one that says this, but that's the premise, right? If you're, you know, someone who's, you know, a large bodied person or you have a big nose or whatever, you go out there and you're like saying, okay, I'm aware. I see it. I know. And now I'm going to joke about it. And I, right. you know, I taught uh, public speaking for about seven years. I was a part-time instructor at a college here uh, wow. close by in Kings. And okay. I was the only instructor that had them do a comedy monologue as one of their speeches. 
I thought it was important. And we talked about that and it's, it's not easy. And it's also not easy to teach in like two weeks, you know, just to, but just to get them up there. And I wanted them to make it personal. So it wouldn't be like, okay, don't do jokes. Just making fun of the school, other people like make it personal. And I, you know, we talk about from the book, Judy's book, your pain points, what are they? And you don't have to go too serious if it's not comfortable, but I had students do jokes and monologues about being a diabetic you know, about how they always had to carry food with them and gummy bears. And, you know, the one kid was a swimmer. So he joked about having to have waterproof food because, you know, and that's great. I think to, I, in a certain level, I, I don't want to say a level, but certain kids could get it and certain kids couldn't, right. you know, and that's okay. I right. mean, it was an opportunity for right. them. It's not for, it's not for everybody, but I think that once a, you know, and I, it being an audience member in, in other things, you know, once I have a commonality, once I have a bond with you, you know, then we're going to, I'm going to receive you. I'm going to hear you better. So when someone can poke fun at who they are, what they are, whatnot, everybody has insecurities. So there's a whole room full of people who have insecurities that are just like, been there you know and and they laugh um because you are able to bring it in the forefront and not make it scary yeah yeah well in in a couple of my audiences i've had people when i do my my gang pap joke i've had a couple who are like oh my god my son's a medical student or oh my god my brother's a med student or my husband have you had him it's like well i don't know let me see his hands you know i have to let (laughs) you know (laughs) i don't know I'll send you, I'll send a picture. You send it down. See if he's seen this, you know. <laughs> let's let's text. Let's see what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There that's definitely, you know, there are those there's they're the the mean hecklers, you know. Um, I had one guy that just would not stop yelling, you know, show us your boobs and whatnot. And that that but then but the other ones, you know, as long as you can manage them, they just want to be part of it and and it's you know i judge everything with malice you know are you coming from malice or are you genuinely coming from a good place it may be coming out wrong but your heart is in a good place and a lot of the times those people are having a good time and they want to be a part of it you know and as long as you can manage them because sometimes they're just so dang annoying yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm not real good at that. I did the one winery show we did uh, with Megan Hanley was, was with me then that was years ago. There was a school, this was at a winery, a school bus full. And I don't deal well with hecklers. I don't deal well with people who are trash. Cause my thing is when you're trash, like they didn't want to listen to comedy, you know, and I'm not going to stand and try and win them back all night. They were a young 20 something. They were literally like laying like falling off their chairs not from laughing but from being drunk and it it just it kind of ruined it for uh, my audiences with the ladies nights the comedy nights are usually a little bit older so it's like 35 40 even to 60 that's just that's the audience I like they like what I have to say and the people I I usually bring with me and these younger girls were literally like passing out and it kind of ruined it for the rest of the people who were there. But right. I've never really been good at uh, addressing because it's like if you ignore someone who's a heckler or talking or whatever, then they can take over. And or right. if you if you sound like you're being a jerk to them, then you could kind of lose them. Make too. It right. Yeah. And make it worse. But mine has been like sometimes women can be bad where they're just chatting. Oh, and yeah. And then. You know, just being chatty, Kathy's friend, and it's like, yeah, 
yo, I'm not on TV. I can see you, you know, <laughs> shut your file. Yeah. yeah. And then, then I've had friends say though, too, and I, I, I have to, this is like the school teacher in me where I have to stop. No one wants to be chastised or lectured. Sometimes they're actually like connecting with you because they like the joke you just said. Right. And they're like, oh my God, that's like the time. And they're kind of like chatting about it. So oh. that then you're like, okay, so they're, they're just kind of like having a moment. So, right. If, if it doesn't come, I mean, if they're, I meant chatting, like talking to one another. I'm yeah. Yeah. Talking to one another, but um, yeah, I, um, I think that the key is sometimes to just get, get the crowd on your side, you know, um, the guy that was yelling, you know, show your boobs, show your boobs, show your boobs, show your boobs. I was just like, I, you know, I'm panicking inside. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Like, I might dive off the stage and you know, start fighting with this guy. And uh, I was just like, and I was just like, all right, Spanky, all right, all right. We're all aware you didn't get a prom date, all right? Just take it down a notch. We're sorry that no one wanted to go to prom with you. And, um, and then he was like, you know, yeah. and I said, you know, I knew that I would have to deal with hecklers. You know, I'm like, I just didn't think the first one would be the first guy in the room that could whack off with the Cheerio and not break it. And like, everyone started laughing. So I kept calling him Cheerio. So he'd say something. I'm like, shut up, Cheerio. And it got to the point where the crowd took over. And he's like, and they're like, shut up, Cheerio. You know, they're just like, he just was like, okay. you know. <laughs> That's powerful, though, when you have the whole crowd, the whole audience on your side. Then, yeah, like that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was just like they just kind of took over the role for me, and they were much <laughs> better because there was a lot of them. So, <laughs> there's power in numbers, right? Absolutely, <laughs> strength in numbers. Yeah, well. I, I don't want to, uh, I want to wrap up soon here, but I just wanted to give you the chance. So to get back to just for, to be serious for a moment, obviously that situation changed your life. As you said, now you don't miss a day outside. I see your posts on Facebook and I, I just, I mean, I'm someone who likes to kayak bird watch. I was watching the birds this morning. I got super excited because a hummingbird was literally coming at me. It was yeah. the coolest thing. I love it. Is it because of the seriousness that you're just like, okay, I'm not going to miss a damn thing, you know, that made you feel that way? Or I made like certain promises to God, uh, universe, goddess, whatever anyone believes, um, because I, because I survived. And one of them was that I would never waste a day. I was going to be outside. I was going to start doing things. And, um, and I, honest to God, I feel more connected to God in the, or universe or whatever anyone believes, um, the light, um, in the woods more than I ever have anywhere else. And it's just, it's sacred to me. It's something that I just have to do. And um, last year, I climbed my first uh, high high peak of the 46 in uh, wow. Adirondacks. And this year, we're going up in October. It's our 25th wedding anniversary, and I'm climbing another one. And, you know, I couldn't have done this stuff at 35, and I'm going to be 54. And... It's just a matter of, you know, if you, like you, like you said, like you love it, it is where my Zen is. It, 
brings everything all into focus on what's really important. That's great. That is, I mean, and congratulations on that. That's, that's awesome. What you're doing as far as that, like those, those peaks and hikes, I would love to do that one day. That's pretty, that's pretty strenuous, right? That's a big deal. It is. They, I mean, they aren't, you know, the high peaks and, and whatnot, because um, it's like, you know, there's trails that we hike and there's, you know, some of them are hilly and rough, but these climbing these mountains, it's kind of like a, a washed out riverbed that you're climbing up. And so it's these massive rocks with these massive roots and trees and it's, you know, uh, maneuvering through it. So it is, it is strenuous, but like I said, I'm hooked. I mean, we're going this year and I'm one year older and I don't care. I'm going to keep doing it till I can't do it anymore. That's great. That's awesome. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me. Any, anything else that you wanted to uh, to mention or to say just for just for yourself that you just wanted to share anything else at all? No, I think that embrace your 50s. Um, I think we are, you know, it's the ascension into the crone, if you will. There's the maiden, the mother, the crone. Uh, crone sounds bad, but I think this is the point where we stop being who everybody wanted us to be and just be who we are and it's a beautiful time to kind of find your that peace or whatever it is that part that's been missing it's it's you you're the part that's been missing so just follow your gut shed the bs and um and just be true to yourself and it doesn't matter if people like it or think you're weird or this or anything just the 50s are amazing just own who you are and and love it and just don't let any of that bull crap affect you and i think that that's the beauty of the 50s is getting more i'm i'm smarter in who i am what i'll tolerate and what brings me joy well said well i could not say it any better and i'm thrilled to be part of a group that I think is amazing. I'm happy to have turned 50 and I'm looking forward to what's ahead. So thank you so much, Pam. You You were a delight. You're a hoot. (laughs) I I enjoyed (laughs) talking to you. We got to hike. I I so definitely would love to hike with you sometime. And your pictures are just fabulous. I know that we, we have that same appreciation for nature. That's just, and like you said, your place of Zen, I feel, and I mean, we know the research shows for forest therapy, nature just heals us in a way that uh, so many other things can't. So it's just, it's a lovely feeling. Yeah. So I want to thank my listeners. Thank you for joining me. And uh, this has been Janine Luby, AKA funny wine girl. I hope you'll tune in next week. We have a couple more wonderful, fabulous women that will close out our September. October is going to be a great month as well. I've got some folks sharing their coming out stories. Uh, It's Halloween. So we've got some scary stuff coming. Uh, Scary and funny, of course. (laughs) So thank you so much for joining me. And I hope you follow your bliss and be strong. Have a great day, everybody.